Anytime we want to start, we like to activate our spirits by um, declaring God's word. I'm sure we're all used to it by now. Make sure you say it loudly. Make sure you're resonant with it. And you're talking to you, understand. You're ac- activating something inside you. Want to go? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. That the word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said amen. Amen. That is your portion today in Jesus' name. The word of God is entering your heart. It is giving you light and direction. It is healing you in every area. Not just physically, but every area. Spiritually, you are healed. In your soul, you are healed. In your body, you are healed. These things are manifesting today as the word comes forth in the name of Jesus. Understanding is your portion. Insight is your portion. Direction is your portion. You know, the covenant that we are walking by says that no one would need to say, know the Lord. What does that mean? Inside us, we will know what God wants us to do. You will have that kind of conviction in the name of Jesus. You will know the husband to marry. The wife to marry, you will know. The business to do, you will know. The ministry that is not your own, you will know it. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Let's get into our teaching for today, our school of Bible exegesis again. Let's open to, remember we are studying Ephesians and Colossians together. Because Paul wrote them about the same time, wrote the Ephesian letter first, the Colossian letter first, and then the Ephesian letter. Now, what we notice in both of them, I said the last time, the first part of each book describes the fundamental spiritual truths, what we can call the theories of our spiritual life. That is, the things that underlie what we do outwardly. Every, you know, I like the way, uh, was it David Paulson I was quoting? He said, creed underlies or determines conduct. Beliefs, he says, shapes behavior. If you have the right beliefs, you will have the right behavior. If you see Christians behaving wrongly, they are believing wrongly. That's the way it is. If, they are, if their character is flawed, their creed is flawed. So what Paul did was to first outline the, under, the fundamental um, doctrines, the creed, the truths, the fundamental spiritual truths of Christianity. And then he now went ahead and told them what behaviors should come out of our lives as a result. So what I've been looking at all this while is that issue of the, the, that is our side of the fundamental truths. They now see, especially from chapter 4, Paul began to explain how the things will play out outwardly. And the same thing we see in the book of Colossians. Let me just quickly explain something before we read today. When we say salvation is by faith, James explained it. This was what happened. Let me, I'm going to take a bit of time on this. Now, people sometimes misunderstand Christianity. They think when you say salvation is by faith, they think that there will be no works. That was what happened before James interposed with his um, epistle and explained it to them. That, listen, salvation is by faith we know. But faith without works is dead. Now, it wasn't saying, please, this is what we must understand. James was not saying there that faith, we have works added to give it life. 
It wasn't saying that. That's the mistake Christians make. They will say that, now I have faith. Let me now look for works to do so that my faith can work. That's not it. James said, because the body without the spirit is dead. The word spirit, okay, in the book of, um, uh, sorry, in, in the Bible, is used for many things. The, word, the wind, the word is spirit, that is pneuma. It makes its angel spirits, the same thing. They blow like wind. The wind blows where it leads, like King James would say, all right? The, the word spirit is used for breath, it's used for wind, it's used for breeze, it's used for the influence that things have. So when you use the word spirit, you have to look at the context in which it is being used for you to understand exactly what it is saying. So when it says, the body without the spirit is dead, my own understanding, which actually was ignited because of my medical training, I understand that if you want to determine that a body is dead, all right, the, the most important thing, there are many things we check, the most important thing is to check whether the fellow is breathing or whether he's making attempts at breathing. That's just, just for the purpose of my uh, teaching today, all right? I'll limit to that. Now, so if you find that the body is not breathing, Okay, you put things together and conclude that this fellow is dead, is no longer alive. So what Paul was saying is that the body without the breath, just like it is dead, faith without works is also dead. What was he saying? He wasn't saying that you need to go and gather works to give faith life. He was saying if faith is alive, it will show by breathing. Do you get my point? It will show by breathing. If you are alive, you will show by breathing. The breath of faith is the works it does. Are you getting my point? The breath of faith is the works produced by reason of that faith. So if you see somebody who says he has faith, alright? James said, how do you show me your faith? You can't show it except you have works to show. Faith may, you may, this interesting part, you may actually think you have faith when you don't have faith. Because faith is not the opinion you have of yourself. Faith is the real spiritual substance. You have to learn how to detect whether your faith is real or it is not. Like I talked before, we're talking about total faith. The level of faith in the heart of somebody can go up, it can go down. I give a very simple example. I mean, if you're a man of faith, okay? You're a woman of faith, then you start falling sick recklessly. Check it. Don't forget this. Your faith is low. Go back home and go and build up that faith. You're a woman of faith. You're a man of faith. Two of you live in the same house, husband and wife. In the last three weeks, you have quarreled seven times. Meanwhile, before then, it was unheard of from your household. Your wife is not mad. You are not mental. It is faith that is what? Low. Faith has gone down. You go up and go and build up faith. Stop going to a psychologist to start struggling with you. Who said this to whom and on what occasion? That is not it. Just check it. All this one, you have been busy. You wake up every day. You've gone about your business. You come back at night. You have fact that you just lie down there and sleep off. You've not declared God's word. You are not taking time out to go and listen to the instructions of the word of God so that the spirit of faith can pass into you. That's what the problem is. So there are some things outwardly that show that your faith is down. James said, if you want to know, that, if you want to show your faith, it has to be shown by the works. He did them. He said, show me your faith without the works. He said, and I will, by my works, show you my faith. So he said, Abraham said he believed God. And he was kind of doing for righteousness. He said, how do we know he believed God? He said he took the boy and went to sacrifice him. He didn't say, God, I believe you, but let Isaac stay here. I've been saying again and again, the major problem with Christianity is that people don't believe. They, oh God, we don't believe. If we believed, we would do things differently. 
If you believe it is showed in the kind of company you keep, the kind of jobs you do, the, the way you spend your money, where you go, where you don't go, it will show. The kind of words you speak. I told you, most task groups I'm thrown into, are, I, I don't talk. Many of them are run away. What is my reason? When people start opening their mouth, you start seeing unbelief erupting. Christians will talk unbelief all over their mouth. They talk in, in your face, you move back. It's not their breast, it's the unbelief. They don't they get to go to church. Any Christian that goes to church to pray without faith showing in everything he's doing in life, that prayer is pointless. The prayer is pointless. The prayer is pointless. What am I trying to say here? So you see, if you find faith in the heart, it will radiate as works. And that was what James was saying. That nobody should tell you, we are not under the law. For that reason, we do what we like. Which is what happens. Listen, let's say this in straight. I, you've, I've seen churches. It's started when we were on campus, those fellowships. People are walking in immorality. It says their body that is sinning. Their spirit is perfect. <laughs> yes. Many of you probably have been to churches like that. They tell you that as long as the Holy Spirit is inside you, whatever your flesh does does not matter. We'll soon fry your flesh. We'll see whether your spirit will react. Are you getting my point here? I, I mean, we saw it. We saw it those days. Peter said it concerning the letters of Paul. People twist those things to their own destruction. Twist them to their own destruction. The truth is that when faith is in the heart, it manifests outwardly. When we, when we look at the things that are above, it affects how we relate to the things on the earth. Where your eyes are focused affects how you relate to the things around you. So what, what was Paul doing? Paul first started by establishing the doctrines of faith. They now began to show them the practices that are in keeping with the faith. There are two sides to it. One, if those practices are not in your life, check, you don't believe the things I said earlier. Two, if those things that I'm showing that are not supposed to be there are there, they will, they will disturb the manifestation that God wants to pass into your natural life. That's a matter of fact. God said, come out from amongst them and be separate. Do not touch the unclean thing. Then I will be a father unto you. Why was he talking to them in the first place if he was not their father? What was he trying to say? You will not find the manifestation of my fatherhood if you are still amongst them and touching the unclean thing. I hope you are getting my point here. What's the point we are making? There are things that God wants to manifest. He says these works that are wrong we prevent those things from manifesting. So those are the things we are looking at. Now let's start our reading. We have looked at those um, fundamental truths, those spiritual truths. Let's see how they play out outwardly. Now we are going to read today two, uh, both Ephesians and Colossians. Now the first part of my exposition will be only from Ephesians. Colossians didn't talk much about that. Then we'll now read the second part, which is both from Ephesians and Colossians. We will read them. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 again. Remember, I, I used the New, um, the New Living Translation for my main reading. So we're going to read the whole of chapter 4. They will now go to Colossians. The first part is just the matter of gifts, which we ended with last time. I will f- 
I will comment on that. They will now read the rest of the Ephesians chapter 4 and then read the corresponding part, which will be Colossians chapter 3. Now, let's have from chapter 4. I'll be quick for the first part because we read the last time. It said, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. He said, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. I like, let me just read that in the New American Standard. It says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's very important. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, if the Bible says, I'm just breaking to pass a comment. If the Bible says you should be diligent in something, we should know the things that it says we should be diligent in. That means that it is very important. If you read that, if you read that, um, um, Proverbs chapter 4. It says, guard your heart with all diligence. It means it's very, very important. When it says that, listen, pursue with diligence the preservation of the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It tells you it is very, very important. Alright? So it says like this, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. As much as possible, the body of Christ must make sure that they are bound together in the bond of unity. Last time I talked about husband and wife, make sure you are bound together in that bond of unity. It is very important. Husband and wife must do the same thing. It's very, very crucial. Now, I said something last time, let me just repeat it again. The weakness, one of the ways you weaken the power that people have available to them is to break that bond of unity. Even God said it. Even he finds it hard to challenge what man wants to do. That is, human beings put together. If he does not break their bond of unity. So when he saw them able, willing to build themselves a large city with a mighty tower in the center of it to make a name for themselves. He said, let us go there and scatter their tongue. There must be disagreement amongst them. He said, as things are right now, nothing will be able to, he said, there's nothing that they have said before themselves that they will not be able to do. Why? Seeing that they are in what? In agreement, in unity, since they are together. Those are the things that, that is the thing that brings forth the power that is inside them. God said, if I want that thing to end, what, what do I go for? That unity. So when Satan wants to break the power of a home, listen, I've, that's one that I'm sure of, alright? After all these years of marriage, I'm sure of one thing. One, the major weapon Satan has is accusation. 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 Avoid using accusatory words to talk if you're supposed to be unity with somebody. Why did you make this part of the bed and you did not make that part? There's another way to say it. Please help me make the second part. The same thing. Are you getting my point? Yeah, it's the same thing. One is an accusation. The other is what? A request. Both of them, the same result. Both sides of the bed are now made. I've known something about you. You don't like greeting in the morning. You think we are mates? That's what? Accusation. You can say the same thing and say, honey, I think it shows a lot of respect if in the morning you tell me good morning. The same thing. The same effect, that is, the same result will come out. Well, not the same result, actually. This one is a better result. <laughs> but you are looking for something, you're looking for the same thing. But when we get to, because you see, what Satan brings is accusation. Why? That's how he can break, that's how he can break it. That's how he can break the bond of unity. 
When the Bible says pursue something with diligence, it means it's very, very important. Like I said last time, even if you are right, there's no point being right if it's going to break the bond of unity. One example I like to give. They said it's written on one man's gravestone. He said, here lies Mr. Smith, who died maintaining his right of way. He was, dead, he was right, dead right, as he sped along the express. But he's just as dead as if he were wrong. <laughs> when you're on the highway, you don't claim that I got here first. If trailer jam you, it has happened to me before. So I'm not speaking only out of doctrine, it's out of experience. Trailer overtake trailer. On this, um, between here and Ninth Mile. I stood there like, how can you? Number one. <laughs> Why are they laughing? You can laugh now because I'm alive and well. <laughs> one lane was closed, so we're sharing one, you know, one side. On top, so they were taking my left lane now, on our own side, but good, no problem. That was officially closed. Then one large lorry decided to overtake the other one. Now he's now facing me. So I decided, as a man that has, that understands his right, yes, understands principles. I stand by my principles. I don't waver for anybody. This is my right. Instead of me to leave the road, I slowed down and waited for that. Remember that 18 wheeler to go back to where it came from. I didn't sell my small car. After one moment, it dawned on me that this guy is not planning to slow down. No return to where he came from. <laughs> At that point in time, I had said, let me respect myself. No, no, I can love my wife and my children that I left at home and get out of the way. At that point, one piece mass transit, who did you understand what I was doing in front there? I had come from behind me and blocked where I was supposed to run into. <laughs> hmm. Oh, thank God for the word of God. <laughs> I shall not die but live. <laughs> Oh boy, as I swerve like this, I ran into Peace Mass Transit. But that is better, that, that's better than this guy coming. So I ran into that guy, he was like, ah, okay, stay there. Finally, <laughs> I squeezed myself between Peace Mass Transit and the truck that was coming. He hit me, don't think I'm joking. But my front had left, so he gave it to my back. Bam! Oh, if you think I was joking, no! It was a strong German guy, BMW. So you see, Gave the back a dent. Bam! The dent is still there. And kept on going like as if I wasn't there. <laughs> Finally, of course, by that time my life has been saved. And as I pursuing the man, yes, I needed an explanation for that devilish attack. <laughs> but somewhere along the line, I was able to stop his vehicle. Three men, they came down from the vehicle. And said, okay, we are very sorry. His brake that failed. <laughs> Look at you. He says brake. As he was driving, he tried to slow down before that other truck in front and realized he was going to run into it. So the only thing he could do was to get out of the way, hoping that I would get out of the way. For me, I stood there and I said, I'm a man of principle. I'm not kidding, no. He was, the guy was so, like, he's very sorry. He did that in his pocket. I should please call the guys who repair the car. How much will it cost? One nailed that, one prostrated, begging. Finally gave me the word of God. What was the word? 
He said, sir, next time you see trailer coming, please leave the road. <laughs> no, he told me like that. He said some of these things don't have break. Yeah. Since that day till now. David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. <laughs> he said, now I obey thy word. Since that time till now, once trailer is coming, <clears throat> I just respect myself. I said, no, sir, don't worry, sir. I'm not in a hurry, sir. You can pass, sir. Any, any other thing? You want more space? I can move some more. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> now, now, why did I even go into that? So, don't stop maintaining that I'm right, I'm right. It's not sin to leave the road. If I just said they slap you once, turn the second one. When you collect the second one, leave the place. <laughs> the Lord is good. It's, it's not a sin, alright, to allow yourself to be cheated. I've told you before, let me not start doing marriage counseling. All this, let's talk about it, let's talk about it. Forget all of those things, it's not necessary. Those who have been married for long, they know that there's no need to talk about everything. Some things, just forget them. If you can forget them, for you say it will be buried inside. Don't bury it properly. <laughs> say if you bury one day to erupt, dead things don't come out. They are buried. It's living ones yeah. that come out after some time. But the one you kill, and bury is properly dead. And that's the will of God. Too much talk leads to ungodliness. I'm telling you. Listen of those things. The Lord is good. <laughs> I'm talking about accusations because you see, once there is separation, there's a weakening. That's the point. And the only way Satan can do it when it comes to a church, when it comes to a home, is to do what? Accuse. It starts reading meanings to everything. If you read First Corinthians chapter 13, there was something that the Amplified Bible rendered there. It said that love believes the best. And what, what normal Bible says, love, uh, love believes all things. It said it believes the best of every situation. I hope you get my point here. So that's it. It's, let me not sit on that, please. I just want to emphasize that. Thing. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourself together with peace. He was writing to a church or to, the, to Christians. And I'm just applying it to the home as an example. When it comes to church also, if we are not going to have our powers weakened, if we are not going to have the power of God weakened in our lives, let's, the power of agreement is very important. If two, two of you shall agree, agreement is important. Agreement is important. The body of Christ, I said, in the nation and in the world, one major problem, let's take Nigeria as an example. One major problem we have today, there's too much disagreement. Disagreement because of petty doctrines. Disagreement on purpose. Alright? Too much disagreement. Purpose is different. We are not both, we are not all going for the same goal. Trying to advance the gospel of God. Listen, when you have the same goal, you find it easier to overlook differences. Do you understand that? Not everybody thinks that, um, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, Arabs are friends. It's because they have the same goal. Kill the whole of the, uh, the, the whole of the nation of Israel. So everybody will look like an agreement. The day you remove Israel from there, you know the amount of... Uh, because there will be nothing to fight, nothing to bring us together in unity. When you want Americans to, re, to be united, you give them Russia as an enemy. All of them. <laughs> Go has a way of uniting people. If you're in a football field, 
Have you seen the amount of unity between footballers? Unity is so, is, so, is so correct. The defender is not eager to score the goal. I don't know why I've noticed it. He's not eager to score the goal. If you give him the goal to score, he'll score it all. But he's not under pressure to score. They've identified like three people that they call the strikers. So anytime they get ball, what do they do? They give to those ones. What is the goal? Let's win. Then when we get back home, we can fight on, why were you talking to that girl? I got there first. <laughs> but for these 90 minutes, they just want purpose. So you see all kinds of agreement. One runs this way, gets there. The other one leaves the ball for him. That one gets there, no, give it back to me. They, they, everybody, because they have what? One goal. One will fall down, the other one will start quickly pick him up. And then probably, that is, as one is falling, that one is taking over from him. Why they have one goal? There was a time Nigeria was raining, you know, because Bikina. There was a time Nigeria was raining. Football. Then Rashidi Yakini made a mistake. He's late now. He scored the first goal in World Cup. And he ran into the net. And he was shouting, Rashidi Yakini, Rashidi Yakini, Rashidi Yakini. I don't know how many. I watched that game live that time. And the other teammate said, eh, all right. If you know, you should have shouted, up Nigeria. He didn't. He shouted Rashidi Yekini. He shouted Rashidi Yekini. And more catches there. Eh, Rashidi Yekini. See, I say, look, Rashidi Yekini. Did you go to look, Rashidi Yekini? I don't know how they agreed. They didn't pass the ball to him again. Clemens Westerhoff had to pull him out to restore unity to the team. I watched that match. He was frustrated. Ah, the guy will run. And the guy was a good one with that. I know when it comes to goal, he was good. He never missed one penalty all the days that I knew of him. And he always kicked the penalty to the same spot in the net. If you watch 1,000 penalties of Rashidi Yekini, they went to the same place, the top right-hand corner of the keeper. That's it. He could give you that thing blindfolded. <laughs> it sounds funny. And the keepers never caught them. Why? The shots were too hot, too fast. You knew where it was going, but you wouldn't get there. Yeah, this guy will have clear chances. The team wouldn't pass to him. So the Lord said, everybody go home. <laughs> that was it. That's why the Bible says we must do what? Make every effort to do what? Preserve the unity of, this, or, you know, unity of the spirit. It's very, very important in the bond of peace. I just wanted to emphasize that. And I now said, for there is one body. There's just one team. One spirit. There's just one place we are heading for. The word in the Bible, the, that word spirit in the Bible, I say, it has many meanings. It can mean the Holy Spirit. It can talk about the goal that people are pursuing. In this particular verse, put anyone you like. There is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. That is, we are all looking for the same thing. We are not looking for different things. There is one Lord one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. What was he trying to emphasize here? For that reason, there's no reason for division. Are you getting my point? You know, sometimes you see churches tell you, there's a church in Nigeria, I hope they have dropped that Indian hemp. 
they used to say that they have, God told the founding father that this is the church he will come to meet when Jesus comes back. When I heard it, I know when Christians say things like that, I say, and you believe it. Say, so, yeah, that's what God told our founding father. I say, God told him that. Fine, and you believe that God told him that. God does not smoke. I am sure he didn't say that. That is why they, that's why the church is not growing as fast as it should. Because they say, because we don't have one goal of let's advance the gospel. We have the goal of let's plant our branches. So we come to a new heaven. We see many churches. Instead of saying, okay, new heaven has been taken. Okay. We will plant our own there too. So you find in one building six churches, the next building another church, and then you see one street, eight churches, nine, ten. Meanwhile, te- the next ten streets, there are none. Why are we all on this church? Proximity is good. Like one, some people said that they invest money in, in VI, the returns will be good. So they plant branch there first. L- let me just get practical here. You know, God gives everybody grace. We'll get to it in a moment. Because Paul said, okay, let me just read it. Verse 7. He said, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Let me read the New American Standard there. But to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he proved that by saying, quoting a particular scripture. He said, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he left, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Let me stop here. You know why I said why I decided to read this quickly? Good enough, we'll cover two verses there. Everybody has a grace, everybody has a gift. There are things that you look and say, Why will a man do that? The man who did it, he's wondering, why won't every Christian do this? I don't know whether I get the point. For example, my very good friend who I mention all the time, Pastor Courage. As a young man in his 20s, one day he packed his bag, packed his load, resigned from the church where he was working, abandoned the business he was running, and said God called him to go and pastor a church in Sokoto. No branch sent him, no choice sent him. They didn't say go and open a branch. He entered the bus and traveled all the way to Sokoto to go and start a church. That was almost 20 years ago. Chris Delvan, a man, Chris Delvan Guamna, a Kaduna man. Who's closer to Sokoto? The Edo man or the Kaduna man? Thank you. Yet, one day I heard him preaching. He was a guest of my friend, Pastor Courage in Sokoto. And he told him that, oh boy, your name, Courage, is very appropriate. Because he said, he didn't believe that he could do it. That, yes, that Kaduna is dangerous enough. Why will he add to the danger by going to Sokoto? And this is a Kaduna man. So he said, your father named you appropriately. Your name is Courage. You have courage. I don't know what I have to say here. Why did he do that? It's simple. It's called a measure of Christ's gift. Yes. It's called the measure of Christ's gift. I thought I read the story of a man, he's a Christian. One day they accidentally stamped his visa, uh, his passport. 
Because the fellow who was issuing the passport looked at him, didn't bother to ask questions. He wrote Muslim on it. He took it as the word of God. So he keeps his passport like that. And with that, he goes to, for, uh, to Hajj every year to do missionary work. Yes, yeah, listen. Mecca has a law. Non-Muslim entering there is punishable by death. Not preaching. Stepping onto the grounds of Mecca. They behead you. They find you there. You're not a Muslim. You are beheaded. Your presence is a crime. Yet, he doesn't miss Hajj. As you see millions moving, he joins them. Taps the guy next to him. How are you doing? You have any problem? Do you want me to pray for you? I pray in the name of Isa. I hope you don't, have, you don't mind. They never mind. That is where he makes his own converts. Right in Mecca during Hajj. There's nothing you want to preach that will make me do it. <laughs> preach from now till tomorrow. I ain't going. I will give you scripture. Jesus said when you are persecuted in one city, flee to the next. I'm not going to follow you. Follow you to where? I will tell you I'm more useful to God alive. I said, even Paul said it. I'm in straight between to me. I've made my choice. <laughs> yeah, that man, he can't, he can't stay. A spirit compels him all the time. The days of David Livingston. He came to Africa, got missing. The day Livingston arrived, a lion attacked him and ripped his, one of his arms out of the socket before they were able to deliver him. That arm never walked again for the rest of his life. The day he arrived. One day they sent some men to come and look for him. They finally found him. After much traveling the jungle, fighting with tribes, they managed to get him back home or something. Occasionally he went back home, and after relaxing, recovering for some time, he would say, the smoke from a thousand African villages are burning holes in my heart. He would board the next ship, and return until he finally died in Africa. Shall I tell you the truth? There's nothing you want to preach. I'm not following him. Am I a lazy man? No, I don't really think so. Just I have understanding. God just hasn't poured that grace into me. If God has poured that grace, I'm sure I would do it. But since he hasn't, he said, go to Enugu, stay in an air-conditioned hall, carpeted floor, microphone pinned to your chest, Speak good English and let your voice sound sip, 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 sip in their ears. <laughs> they will still be blessed. I enjoyed that. It's the grace of God. Each person has what? Grace. Listen. No, I'm not saying that I like easy life. We've also made sacrifices to do this thing. Ah, uh, We make sacrifices every day. This is what I'm talking about that. There's a foolishness that we churches, we, 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 we get involved in. We now get up and say, you want to, okay, we have to reach the whole of Africa. You don't have the grace. No insults intended. Geo is in Lagos. <laughs> he rides Lamborghini, no, sorry, he rides limousines, flies first class. Nothing wrong with it. Daddy, 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 daddy everywhere. There's one man I know. 
won't mention his name, many years ago, more than five years ago, on a Sunday, on an average Sunday, if things are bad, the offering they give him after service, he says, sir, that was a good service, total three million naira. I didn't say choice offering. He leaves preaching. You know, like I finished preaching, I walk away now. Because, well, sir, that was a good message. Sir, you still blessed me. I can't go away without blessing you. Totals at the end of the service. Three million bucks on a bad day. Let me not tell you what happens on good days. <laughs> is it good? Is, not, is it bad? No, it's just there. This is what I called it earlier. Grace. The same man will not tell me that... Uh, they have to reach Meduguri. He will now carry his church of fine boys and go to the bush of Bono State and Sokoto. Let me, I need to say it so that we we'll wake up. It is pure foolishness. You don't have the grace. Stop pretending. Why do you want to open branches everywhere? You hear of one courage I mentioned. There are people like him all over the place. Go and meet them. Say, oh boy. Since you have this grace, I don't have it. But I have this cash. Every Sunday, people dash me three million. Let's have an agreement. I cut that one and leave it for you. But I will support you. If I hear this problem, I call you. My brother, what's happening? Are you fine? Do I evacuate you, your family and people for the time being? You say, no, sir, we will stay. Are you sure? You say, no, sir, we are fine. Are you certain? You are a powerful man. You have contacts. You call the chief of army staff. My brother, you are my friend. I have a brother up there. Please help me post men around him. He comes to church on Sunday. There are soldiers attending his service. He does not know why. You don't tell him because if you told him, he will say, don't bother. Listen, Elisha asked that woman, should we put in a word with the chief of army for you? You put in a word with the chief of defense staff for men like that. So what should we do? We find those who have grace. We don't need our branches there. Says, because God gives everybody grace. He gives you plenty of money. He didn't say just be flanging around, flying around, building houses like birds. I must have a house in Abuja. I must have in Enugu. One in my village. Lagos is good to have one there. You are building around as if, you know, like I said, Christians don't behave like you believe. You behave as if you are not going to go to this heaven one day. We don't look if we behave like we really believe, we'll behave differently. So when you have that, God said, Look, all this money I've given you, there's a reason for it. In the same manner, you have headquarters where money is flowing. God said there's a reason for it. I could have broken this nation into two when Lord Lugard and Co were putting things together. But I said no. If I do, that northern area will never be evangelized. One of my doctors, he walked somewhere, I think in um, Kebi, yes, that's where he was walking. He's an Igbo man from, um, I think, Anambra or Imo. He said, Chief, he works with me in the office. He said, Chief, they can't break this country. He said, Those southerners that say break this country, they are ignorant. They've not been anywhere. He said, They've not been anywhere. He used to work in Kebi. The guys, anybody that has not, he said, All these southerners that make noise. He's a southerner. He said, They've not been anywhere. He told, he will tell you the story of a group of people in Kebi. He said, if you break this country, they will be exterminated. That they are surrounded by Muslims who don't like them. That they are second-rate people in their own state. 
that the only thing that's keeping them is that we are one nation. So he was telling me that in the office about two weeks ago talking. He said, let's forget them, sir. He said, they've not been anywhere. He said, if they've been around, they'll know you can't break this country. That the unity is preserving too many lives. Because the Zulu people could not be conquered by Uthman and Fodio and people like that. They are warriors. For that reason, Islam went around them. But you know Christianity? We walk in nicely. Kill their missionaries, they will come back. Kill their missionaries, they will come back. Eventually, you will give in. That's how Christianity behaves. So where the warriors couldn't get in, Christians got in. So you now find generations after who go to church. You hear, you hear names, names like Ishaya, those are Christians. He said that is the reason why the country can't break. God knows what he's doing. Because you can't, if you try attack them, the noise, in fact, you won't even, don't, don't even bother. You can be doing terrorism, throw a bomb, here, fight. Once fight starts, soldiers will come. Fight will end. Then they keep growing. <laughs> why, am I, why did I even digress into that? So the point I'm making is, we're talking about one body. One body. You don't need your branch there. There are men who can go there. There are men who are not afraid. You find people like that and say, please, what do you need? Oh, we have to travel a lot in the jungle. Oh, okay, good. Not bad. Look for one rugged looking you know, Land Rover. Buy a fleet of them. And be donating. What are you doing changing your car from a Land Cruiser today to, 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 to a navigator tomorrow? Buy a fleet of those rugged off-roaders. And say, guys, for movement, with bikes, anything you need, let us know. We don't want branches there. What are we doing branches? Don't join our organization. There is one body, one Lord, one spirit, one hope. That's what Paul was teaching. They are, look, God knows what he's doing. There are graces he won't give you. No, there are graces he's not going to give you. I told you that my friend, Pastor Corey, said he saw a man who had labored. This guy started a church in Sokoto and left and said, no, I don't even belong in Sokoto town. And moved into the, you know what I mean, into the rural areas. Left the church in town and went in there. That the man's children now are of university age. The man can't pay fees. And you want that boy to appreciate the fact that his father was a missionary? He said there is one body, one future, one hope, one glorious hope for the future that we all have. It's even you that uh, one, church, one denomination said, God, come and meet them. Once you are grown too big and feeling too wife, you are going to pieces. Because there has to be one Lord. There can't be two. Yes. <laughs> That's the problem Christians have. They won't spend their money. One denomination won't spend its money to help another one grow because they're all in competition. And they're not saying Boko Haram is a problem. Islam can never be a problem. If Jesus arises, he said, guard your sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, and ride down prosperously and in majesty because of truth. Now, this point he said, he said, let your right hand do terrible things. Don't try Jesus, oh. Don't try him, oh. I've been saying this again and again. The Jesus that you knew, and they go slap in cheek and open it, not his mouth. 
And they beat him. Professor, which one of us slapped you? That was a lamb. The current Jesus is a lion. 